Tonight on the Commune Podcast, things are about to get scary. Join us for some ghost fishing. Where we become face to face with ghosts. What kind of lore do you use? I know it's been a while since we actually started this game. I had some issues getting Amazon to deliver the friggin' thing and shitty scammers. But I finally got it and we're here to talk about Luigi's Mansion 2 Dark Moon. It's, it's called Luigi's Mansion 2 in Japanese and PAL territories, and it's called Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon in the United States. That, why? Who cares? Hold on. <laughs> I have a second addendum. The numbers are more taboo over here. It's, it's actually just called Luigi Mansion 2 in Japanese. What? Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> Well, yeah, how do you know who owns the, the mansion? Well, it's not his mansions. None of those <laughs> mansions were his. He just well, goes is... to the mansion. Well, then why don't they just call it Egad's mansions? Wait, actually, they are his. I think just the first one was his. Mm. Whatever. Anyways, how have you guys been doing? What have you been playing? Um, What have I been? Oh, yeah, I played Jumping Flash for the platformer long study. All right, yeah. How is it? It's really good. Um, you know, I've played a lot of, or I haven't played a lot, but I've played my fair share of PlayStation platformers. And there's good ones like Tomb Raider, but a lot of them, uh, you know, a lot of the good ones even tend to squish the space into a 2D plane. Like, you know, how Crash Bandicoot has really simple corridor levels. Yeah. Um, but there's also, like, Pitfall 3D is pretty flat and mostly about the horizontal space, not too much the vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, Spire is like that as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You're right. Um, but Jumping Flash, uh, even though the stages are small in comparison to something like Super Mario 64 or Spyro, you still have to take account of the horizontal plane and the vertical plane like vertical distance counts for a lot and so does horizontal so i thought it was simple and refreshing and made good use of 3d hmm, that's neat playstation one game no less i'll have to try it out myself because i love platformers all right yourself what have you been up to uh, I guess to keep it in first-person territory, I've been playing Strangers Wrath. Never heard of it. What's it like? <laughs> um, it's the fourth, third, or fourth Oddworld game. Uh, no, it's the fourth. Um, so it's a, a first-person shooter with a light adventure framework. Uh, it's nothing too... Um, non-linear but the main gimmick of it i guess is that you're a bounty hunter so it combines more typical strategic first person shooting with um stealth style gameplay because to actually get credit for killing enemies you have to go over to the corpse and like or the corpse or the bot or the the tied up guy and 
like bounty them, sort of you basically suck them up in a vacuum as if it were Luigi's mansion. <laughs> um so it makes um the gameplay a lot more dynamic than uh, a more cover-based shooter would because it really pushes you to play aggressively and to try and get close to enemies. Um, so it uh, it's a really interesting game. I, I think it's superb, actually. Ooh, nice. Glad to hear the recommendation. <clears throat> you know, Adrian... You're you're always looking for Xbox One games or or Xbox original games. Yeah, that, right? that's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, long before before Stranger's Wrath had an HD re-release, uh, the, its original home was Xbox the first. Yeah, nice. that's actually uh, why I didn't play it for such a long time because it was kind of one of those <laughs> games that got lost with that console because uh, it never got backwards compatibility. Oh, okay. But, wait, have you ever played the Xbox original? Yeah, no, but... It, well, oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't gather the HD remake's any different than a remaster, though. Okay, because, I mean, if there's an HD remaster and it's easier to get my hands on, and I can buy it cheap on Steam or whatever, then I think I'd rather go for that than the Xbox original version, which might be going for more than what it's really worth on eBay or something. Yeah, it's very nice looking as well, the HD version. Yeah, there's that plus too. So Derek, you're up last. What have you oh, been no. up to? Uh, I've been playing Nier. That's spelled N-I-E-R. Mm -hmm. And it's on the PlayStation Triple and the <laughs> Xbox 360. It's, it's from uh, uh, Yoko Taro of Caviar. Uh, the creative Dragon Guard. It's kind of like a, a a tad bit hack and slash, a tad bit Zelda, a tad bit random stuff here and there. Um, it's it's a little bit of a mix. Um, and and this is a game where where multiple playthroughs are very much encouraged because you're not going to get the whole story if you just finish it in one run. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, it is cool, yeah. Um, let's see. So one one interesting thing about this game is that in Japan, the PS3 version and the 360 version were actually different in a way, uh, where the character design was just completely different. Like, um, the plot of the game on the 360 was you have this gruff old man well, mid-30s, 40s man trying to find a cure to save his daughter. And on the PlayStation 3 version in Japan, you're this young-looking teen, teeny-bopper kind of guy <laughs> uh, trying to find a, a cure to save his sister. So, um, yeah, the, the, the big difference between the two is that the design of the character changes and the relationship between the girl that needs to be saved has changed. But when they brought that over here, they just um, said, you know what, uh, America is not going to go for the uh, the heartthrob, so we'll just, um, both versions are going to be the gruff old man. Wow, that sounds like a terrible choice. Yeah, that... <laughs> they, I mean, not because 
there's anything wrong with that plot, but just because Nier is only going to appeal to people who are going to freak the fuck out about any changes made. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, the game came out ages ago, like uh, probably seven years ago, I think it was, so. Yeah. That's We're... still, it's a pretty, un- I've never heard of a, a change like that where you have, based on country, two different versions of the same game. Well, and all- it, it being based on console is a little weird, but I don't think it's too abnormal to tweak the details of characters like that. Yeah, but what I've usually usually that's more for like censorship or localization purposes. Like I know Bravely Default, they bumped up the ages of the characters, so it's not too uh, risque. But here it's just like we changed, not only dramatically changed their age, but. I'm guessing their look and even what their relationship to the character was. I don't think I know of any other example where that happened. Well, basically, I mean, because the 360 version was what... Uh, this this character, he was already in the Japanese 360 version, basically. So um, it's not like they decided to, to change everything, you know, full stop for ps3 or anything like that they just thought because because in their minds they thought okay people who play 360 games will go more towards this guy people who play ps3 games will go towards more this design that was his uh kind of way of thinking but you know so so uh that's that's partly why the uh um he thought oh they're not going to go for the 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 hot hot young one so (laughs) but it turns out um that that technically the uh the hot young one version is is canon to near automata oh okay that's great because i got the gruff old man copy because yeah it's it's not really a big 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 deal it's it's just one of those little uh i mean because the games the game plays out the same way the plot's the same pretty much you know it's, yeah. it's just the only difference is that oh, it was this version of the guy who who did all that, and not okay. the other version is all. Hey, you want a much bigger change? In Blaster Master, they turned the villain into the hero's pet frog. <laughs> what? What? That's weird. But let's not get too deep into this. On to Luigi's Mansion. Luigi Mansion. Be uh, hush up, you. <laughs> Don't make me get out the vacuum. So, speaking of vacuums, what I wanted to talk about today was the ghost fishing gameplay. It's a pretty unique action gameplay that I don't have many other comparisons to other than the original Luigi's Mansion. So, first of all, Derek, you're up first. Just give us a basic overview of how the ghost fix fishing action plays out. So basically, when you run across a, a ghost that's going to give you a tough time, um, and and you and you hook them with your uh, pretend I'm doing air quotes here when I say hook, yeah, because there's no hook when you when you lock onto them with the uh, the vacuum, you're immediately going to be starting in a fight. The ghost is going to be flying away from you as fast as he as they can, and and you got to try and, and reel them in with your vacuum. It's a battle of how you can manage um, catching the ghost very well. There's a better word I could use there. Probably because, because if if they uh, 
you know, if if you're if you're not if if you're too loose with them, they're gonna escape and 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 you know, yeah, that's not good. By the way, it's not confusing when I say ghost fishing, is it? Well, I, now I got the the image of that Lakitu boo in my head. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I would say it's not explicit what you mean. Uh, I have an idea what you mean, but the game never makes that connection for you. So maybe you should um, explicate exactly why you drew that connection. Oh, just just because um, fishing gameplay is the only other thing I had to compare to of here's a thing that's trying to get away from it and you're trying to metaphorically reel it in and capture it. That's why I made the, I called it ghost fishing. So you're referring exclusively to the uh, would-be combat system of Luigi's Mansion? That's right. And that's why I wanted to mostly focus on that aspect of the game, simply because combat usually doesn't work like that in other games. So, Greg, well actually this is really a question for all of you, but now that we have the basic of ghost fishing in mind, what makes it interesting or uninteresting to you? Um, I guess the most basic instance of ghost fishing is trivial because um, enemies don't have much power to get away from your suction. And so what I've noticed is that there are two main things that they do to lend a sense of tension to the combat. The first is that if you are in a room with other enemies or obstacles, either an enemy can attack you and that will knock you out of uh, fishing mode. Basically, you'll have to (laughs) quit sucking. Um, And if an enemy, like, uh, hooks you around an obstacle and then gets too far away from you, then they can break free of your hold. Another thing that they do to add tension is... um, literal tension. If you imagine that the uh, suction force of the vacuum is a string, you can power up an attack with the vacuum by increasing or by maxing out the tension on that string between you and the enemy, which means recognizing... So, like, imagine you're fighting a ghost. You need to pull Luigi in the opposite direction from where the ghost is currently flying towards... And so, because ghosts change direction, that can be hard to do. But um, as you build up tension in that invisible string, a little meter builds up. And once it's full, you can unleash an attack. And you can also upgrade this bar over the course of the game. And the farther along the bar you are, the more gold you get for capturing an enemy. So if you do, um, if you get the tension up to one bar, it's three coins. If you get it up to two bars, it's one uh, gold nugget. And if you get it up to three bars, I think it's two gold nuggets, maybe more. Three bars Um, is three bars. Okay, three bars is three gold nuggets. And so... um, Bars, they're not bars, not nuggets. Uh Anyway, so the tension there is um, to maintain consistent tension in that string between you and the enemy so as to fill up your uh, 
power bar. And uh, part of the tension there is that enemies have limited health. So if you suck all of the health out of an enemy, then obviously you can't do an attack. So for enemies with 15 HP, I've found I can get at most two bars, but I, if I try to go for the third bar, it's too far, and then I just lose all rewards, whereas I should have gone for the reward at the second stop. Mm -hmm. So I think those two things, combining enemies with other things in the room and also the string tension are two things that they use to make combat interesting. You can think of a charging bar sort of as like a special meter where you're basically draining the HP of the enemy to feed into your charge. And then when you press the A button, you unleash your special attack to cash in the charge. I think the... The problem with seeing it that way is that when you lose your grip on an enemy, you lose all your charge, but the enemy still has less HP. So, like, if I'm working on an enemy with 30 HP and I suck down 20 HP, then get knocked out of it, like, I just screwed myself. I can't get any good rewards because I can't... Yeah, but... I don't have enough time to build up tension again. Same thing with Devil May Cry, right? If you get your combo up to a B... Oh. And you get hit, then your combo drops back down to a D, but now the enemy doesn't have enough HP left for you to get it back up to an A. Right. I didn't... Okay. I see what you mean. That's a good point to move on to you, yourself. What makes ghost fishing interesting to you, or not? Um, I think it's alright. Uh, the variety in the enemies is obviously the... Or, I guess, the most obvious source of variation in the combat. Uh, you do tend to see a lot of the plain green guys who don't really have any specific attacks other than sort of hanging around. But then you'll see, as Golem describes, uh, a couple at a time, which will mean you have to take into consideration, like, I guess, three different factors at least. One, which direction the ghost is moving so that you can pull against it. Two, the location of the second ghost uh, so you can follow whether it's going to attack you or the state of it more so than the location because I actually think most of the attacks just home in on Luigi. And three, uh, Luigi's position so that you can know when he's going to get hit by the other ghost's attack. Um so then when you add a third ghost into it, then you are adding an additional factor to keep track of it. And then if you add a ghost of a different type into it, the complexity starts to increase even more because they'll have different items that interact with them. Like you've got the, probably the most annoying ones are what I think is like the shark ghosts. There's purple guys <laughs> who will... Uh, move around invisibly and then jump out and scare Luigi and it doesn't hurt him at all, but it knocks him out of his, uh, or it knocks his prey off his line. Uh, Just to confirm, you can dodge the scare, right? That's how I remember it. I don't know. I'm not sure you can. I don't okay. know either. But regardless, it's harder to see coming. 
because there's no other ghosts when they're attacking, you see them uh, lining up their attack, basically. So, without getting too diverted onto those guys, that's a place where you're supposed to be using dark light. And I think there's some other purple ghosts where you're supposed to be using dark light. Um, so, they try to mix it up that way. I think generally it does kind of come down to flash as many as you can in one go and then reel them all in. Mm-hmm. I That's one thing I forgot, that you get extra money if you pull in more than one ghost at once. Yeah. Well, they also charge your meter faster. Yep. I, I'm not sure what rate, but I did notice it charged the meter faster. Derek, your turn. Hopefully there's enough unique you have to say if it's not just saying, oh yeah, I agree with everything Greg and Greg just said. <laughs> what it makes ghost fishing interesting to you or not? Um, You're not going to like this, but it's it was sort of the reward factor, like Golem said. Okay. Um, because, well, you know, may, maybe... I shouldn't do this too much, but um, in in the original Luigi's Mansion, it wasn't very rewarding to do it with the regular ghosts. So there was all the all the boss ghosts around, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know sucking them up in like a really huge, almost practically one shot, you would get bigger rewards for that. Um, but but here you don't really have a whole whole lot of that um, since there's no portrait ghosts. Uh, so I like that they sort of made it more rewarding to do, to, to try and, uh, I like that they made it more rewarding for regular ghosts. Right. And yeah, um, even though I'm only on the second mansion, I did notice that, um, portrait ghosts seem to be, uh, not a thing, not really much of a thing in this game. This is going to get more into enemy design. But I want to ask you, how do you find the enemies and the different types of enemies play into the ghost fishing? How they work together? Derek, you're up first. Okay. Um, so, let's see. So, so is this like um, like when you're trying to suck up a red guy and they start making waves at you or something? Yeah, or e- easier question is, what, what kind of scenarios involving the enemies have you found the most interesting or the most tough to deal with and oh. why do you think that is oh okay okay the uh, the three sisters very tough. the three sisters yeah <laughs> so uh, what made them so tough for you well because you know um i i'm i'm pretty bad at playing defensively so um trying to suck them up because because if you're not very good at dodging then when you're trying to suck up one um, the the other two sisters or whoever's not being sucked up will will try and uh, hit you as you're uh, as you're about to do the charge. So um, it's 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 really hard for me to be careful in those instances because I just um, you know I'm very on the attack. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just a cruel reminder that I gotta I gotta play carefully sometimes. That fight definitely more than anything else puts a really strong emphasis on the dodge. Usually you can get away without doing it, but I imagine it would take like 
two hours to win that fight if you didn't dodge because you can never get a charge off without it. Well, it's it's not so much that. I mean, you could charge and dodge if you were skilled, but you could also just take the easy way out and just let go of the ghost before you charge, and then they'll just immediately uh, give up and and then just cycle over again. Now, that's what I mean is the oh. two-hour method. That's oh, the bad okay. way to play. <laughs> you need to be dodging to actually play it the way it was intended, I think. Yeah, or at least to play uh, efficiently. But yeah, that fight did also give me a tough time. And even knowing the dodge that it existed, um, they would still manage to hit me. Uh, just because, well, you better be really good at timing it. Because not only are you trying to suck away in the other direction that the one you've latched onto is pulling, but you also got to be paying attention to their animations because you have to time it just right in order to actually jump over them. Yeah, the timing's not especially easy to do, and I think the camera angle is not incredibly helpful. There's a lot of, especially with the needing to pull away from enemies, there's a lot of really fine distinction in what direction you want to be um, pressing or moving or whatever. And then Luigi also moves slightly differently when you're using the vacuum or flashlight. Uh, so it's sometimes a bit difficult to tell exactly um, when you need to dodge. Yeah. This is definitely a game that um, if I could, I would play with the 3D on, but I'm recording, so I can't. But I think there is actually a difference between the first game and this game. And if I am not full of shit, I think the first game, whenever you did get into a sort of ghost-sucking mode, it would, you know, angle the camera down so it has a bit more of that top-down kind of view. Whereas in Dark Moon, the camera is mostly the same. I think it tilts down a little bit, but not to the same degree that the original Luigi's Mansion did. I think it's... Well, okay, I didn't play the original game, but I think the camera seems like it's in closer, or at least it feels like it's in closer than it needs to be. I haven't um, <clears throat> looked to see too much about the camera design, if uh, the differences between sucking and not sucking. Back to... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess the one thing to... Uh, clarify are the mechanics for uh, ghost fishing if you push the b button while sucking uh, it allows you to jump uh, otherwise normally the b button is how you run or angle the flashlight down yeah that's important being able to angle the flashlight down i'm glad they put that in there <laughs> yeah that's why they uh, overlapped it with the run button but even then it's a neat workaround for not having a c-stick because uh, that's how you control the flashlight in the original Luigi's Mansion. Hey, Adrian. Yeah? You're totally right about the camera thing. I'm watching a walkthrough now. The Of the first Luigi's Mansion, it'll aim way down when you get into a ghost fight. Okay, yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for checking that for me. Yeah. Now it's your turn. Enemy design, interesting enemy encounters, and what was it about the enemy design that made it interesting for you? Well, is it alright if I spoil an enemy for you? 
actually quite a few have been spoiled to me because of the scare scrapers. So yeah, this is one that has not yet been spoiled. Um, there is later on actually. Well, if you name me the enemy's function, I guess it's not that big a deal. So, you know. So, actually, when um, when we brought up the three sisters, that surprised me because I completely forgot about those. And then I was like, all the other enemies come back, but the sisters never do. Like, I feel like the sisters are the only unique encounter in the game aside from the bosses. And, um... Yeah. I was disappointed to not see more unique gifts like that. Another encounter that I thought would be unique, but was strangely not, um, is a mummy that you encounter. And so there's a green ghost wrapped up in bandages, and you can't attack the green ghost until you knock off the ba- or until you suck off the bandages. And the bandages aren't uh, exposed basically at first. What you have to do is blind a mummy with your flashlight, and then, well, you don't blind the mummy, but basically you uh, enrage the mummy, and he'll lock onto your current position and then dash towards you. And if he hits a sheer enough surface, then he'll fall down, and you can suck off the bandages and kill the ghost. And so I thought that was neat because um, the flashlight has a couple different uses in Luigi's Mansion. And it's kind of an all-purpose poke-at-things tool. And I liked the mummy encounter because it brought that to light. That, like, you have an enemy, and so you interact with it by flashing a flashlight. And it's also neat tricking the enemy into exposing itself. I think that was an interesting uh, dance. Hmm. Yeah. I think that what you just said right there is also what makes Luigi's Mansion's combat, so to speak, unique. And it's that two-step process to take out the enemy to begin with. Like, first, you have to get, like, semi-close and flash them, and then you suck them in. And that is its own interplay. Whereas most other games, you just walk up to them and hit them or shoot them. What's also interesting about the flashlight versus hitting and shooting is that it has quite a wide hitbox and so with the mummy enemies in particular i would be trying to attract the attention of one mummy and then find myself attracting two or more and then having to deal (laughs) with the consequences yeah that is interesting yeah i experienced the same thing your turn yourself interesting enemy scenarios and what about the enemy design that made it that that way for you. I'm having a hard time thinking of another one that really stands out. Like I can name some more of them, like the red guys, for instance, but I don't think they're actually very interesting. Uh, and the, they're like these purple blob guys that you have to get, you sort of corporealize them by hitting them with the dark light. Uh, but they never seem to do anything. Uh, every time I've had to fight those guys, I just hit him with the dark light and suck him up, and he never has a chance to act at all. Right. Uh, but actually, okay, how about the guys that use shovels or armor or stuff like that? So another right. another variation on the basic greenie 
um, sort of, I guess, the intermediate between the regular one and the mummy is um, the greenie that has, like, they'll have, like, a bucket on their head or sometimes they'll have sunglasses on or a shovel in their hand. Um, and, yeah. The sunglasses are actually a different variety. No, I know. Oh, okay. So what you'll need to do is basically determine what you need to do to make them vulnerable. So for the sunglasses guys, naturally, the flashlight doesn't have any effect on them. So unusual among the enemies there is that you use the vacuum first to pull the sunglasses off their face. But Mm -hmm. if you try the same trick when you come bump against one of the shovel guys who also use the shovel to defend themselves from the flashlight, you can't pull the shovel away from them. They hold on to it tight. So what you have to do there to make them vulnerable to the light is trick them into attacking you, basically just by standing there long enough until they get into their attack uh, phase, dodge out of the way, not like the B dodge, but just like walk out of the way. Yeah. Uh, sort of like Golem was describing you do with the mummies. And then you can flash them while they're sort of in a dizzy state after they've missed you. So mm-hmm. then you flash them and then they're, uh, they'll drop their shovel. And interestingly, uh, if you leave them alone long enough, they will pick the shovel back up or other ones will pick it up. Oh, wow. I, I completely overlooked that. Yeah, so it, it's kind of neat that it's it doesn't have too much effect, but it's neat that it's still a live element in the game. Yeah. Even after they drop it. I think that happens too with the pumpkins and watermelons and other balls that they like hold over their head and throw at you. Yeah. Yeah. What's weird about those guys is that there are like several graphical variations, but they all have the same behavior. Like they have hockey oh. sticks in Scarescraper. Yeah, I saw that one too. I Something I didn't notice, uh, they all have the same amount of health. The armor ones versus the shovel ones. <laughs> They're all ten, right? Yeah, I think so. I think. There's only one variation I've seen, but it's a very obviously different one. But yeah, they're bucket heads and uh, guys with pots and pans on and so that's why I include the sunglasses in that group because it's just greenies that have shit that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing back up the creeper, I think one thing that I liked about this game is how they managed to integrate the dark light into combat. Just one was for the sneaker, and this was actually a, a tip from Scarescraper was that you can actually see them. You actually still see the ghosts with the dark light. Because dark light gets rid of illusions or things that are invisible. And it's also how you sort of pull out the creeper in order to finish sucking him up. I think one of the ways that Luigi's Mansion, even though those may seem trivial on their own, the more steps you've got to take in order to deal with one ghost is the more time other ghosts have a chance to get a hit on you. So that's what keeps the action interesting to me. So sometimes you got to decide where and when do you decide to, or who you decide to take their crap off and deal with them. I think the dark light really fleshes out the design space of Luigi's Mansion, not because some enemies require it, 
require it, require it, but more because it's optional for some enemies. Like, I think it makes it easier to deal with the librarian ghost in the first mansion. So I like that you have the regular flashlight and the vacuum are both required, but that you can use the dark light at your leisure to figure out different things or make things easier or decide not to. Yeah. I also like the going to what Derek was saying about um, trying to get in more enemies at once to get, get in a bigger reward is being able to charge the light, the strobo. That's something that wasn't in the first game. But aside from what it allows you is to exchange time to have your flashlight go farther and have a wider radius to get more enemies at once. And I like that aspect of uh, the ghost fishing. Actually, if I'm stretching for comparisons, uh, back to the dark light, I would say it's sort of like a variation on the thermal visor x-ray vision from Metroid Prime. Where <laughs> it's giving you supplemental information by letting you see in a different way. But whereas those games... Uh, recode the entire field of vision um, dark light you actually have to more uh, actively use by aiming yeah I even not to gush too much and not to get too distracted but uh, I did make that comparison to Metroid and why I liked the dark light so much and getting you to look at the same space uh, more closely in order to find secrets and other things Darklight should have been in Metroid Prime 2. You mean Federation Force? No. no. Metroid Prime 2. That goes. <laughs> you know. Adrian. First yeah. it's dark, now it's light. <laughs> um, I think you had something good to say about ghost fishing with um, the blobby guys. Oh, right. Yeah, they made me realize an aspect of the game that uh, helped me play better and more skillfully. So to deal Sorry. with the gobbers. The yellow up? ones, not the purple ones. Yeah, gob yeah they, the those gobbers. are the Yeah, the, the purple <laughs> ones are called creepers and the yellow ones are called gobbers. No, no, wait. I think you're thinking of the... Uh... No, wait, no. The, those ones are called sneakers. Okay, whatever. Just talking about yeah, the other ones. Yeah, there's, there's two purple ones. The sneakers are the sneaky ones. That's obvious enough. Anyways, gobbers. So gobbers are basically these big, fat, overweight ghosts that uh, they gob or they puke at you. They tend to be mostly stationary. I say mostly because if you get close, they will sumo belly flop at you and knock you out. So just because they're big and just because they don't really move around much, it doesn't mean... You know, you want to test your luck getting close to them. And that's especially a problem if you start ghost fishing another ghost instead of the gobber. Is when you get close, he's going to knock you right out of it. And him being so big, that's a large attack range he can cover. But with the gobber specifically, just by himself, when sucking up the gobber, he's mostly stationary. So that part is actually easy. He's not like the hiders, which I notice tend to move more snake-like, which is why trying to get a charge on him is a little bit trickier. Because, you know, they move around more. And when the name of the game is pull the opposite direction, they start swinging side to side more. That's harder to get off. The gobber, though, of course, mostly stays still. Stays in one place. But what he can do 
as you're trying to suck them up and get your charge, even then getting two or three charges or one or two charges isn't even enough to take him out because he has a lot of health. Even then, what he does is he'll keep gobbing at you. He'll still keep trying to puke at you. So you're thinking, okay, I'm trying to pull in the only direction I can in order to get this charge off, but he's also shooting at me in my position where I'm basically a sitting duck because the vacuum has a sort of um, max limit that it can pull. So what that made me realize is that, oh, instead of constantly pulling away from, what if I just pull to the side and that's one, what you do to better avoid ghosts? This applies even to normal ghosts and it also applied to the three sisters fight was instead of constantly doing the most straightforward thing which is pull away to get the best uh, to get the best move sometimes i need to either let go sometimes even move into the direction they're going to and go sideways to better naturally avoid them instead of giving up my charge and trying to jump over them although so chart what i find is that the dodging i the way i'm understanding it now is that I want to use more as a last-ditch effort is, okay, I'm really screwed. There's nothing I can do because there's like three guys around me and they're all attacking at once. Better jump and give up my charge. And then the better way to do is to dodge them simply by movement. So steer yourself out of the way of other ghosts while you're trying to maintain this charge instead of just holding back, never letting go. And that's what the gobber made me realize. Uh, the gobber himself. What's up? Sorry, what always got me about the gobber is that when you use the dodge, Luigi moves in towards him, and then you can't pull away. Right. So if you dodge too many times, he eats you. Yeah, or he'll belly flop you. Because that, that's another property of the dodge, I realize, is that when Luigi jumps, because he's still sucking the enemy, but he doesn't have the ground underneath to hold him, he actually jumps and gets pulled by the thing that he's dragging. I believe the ghost, I'd have to test this, but I believe the ghost's weight influences how much Luigi gets dragged. Um, but yeah, no, that was what the gobber made me realize something more interesting about the game and for better playing, especially with multiple ghosts, even if they're all, you know, uh, the basic ones. Any remaining thoughts about ghost fishing? Not for me. Yeah, um... I don't have much else to add. I guess the way that ghosts are, you know, invisible, except when you shine a lid on them, uh, that's kind of like, you know, how you have to cast a line before you can see a fish that's invisible to you because you're underwater. I don't think the game does anything too clever with it, but it certainly is another parallel. <laughs> oh, I guess to not go too overboard with just me by myself talking and gushing about enemy designs. One thing that I liked about the hiders is that, well, actually, this applies to all ghosts, but the hiders more so is that because they like to hide, it uses your basic, you know, more adventure of push X to interact with things in order to reveal them out of their, hi their hiding spots. Uh, the hiders... Uh, the way they are because they don't directly attack you naturally flow between different hiding spots that you then have to make chase and get them out of the furniture yeah I think the enemies work best when they're um, worked into the level design in some way like that uh, mm -hmm. the polter pup being another example where the really interesting part of 
or I mean, I guess the meat of the gameplay of Luigi's Mansion is exploring and solving puzzles. And the combat feels more like a reprieve to me. Uh, I don't think of it as the, you know, it's not really what I would ever go to the game for. Um, So when the enemies encourage you to explore in some way, or sometimes when enemies are almost their reward for figuring out how to solve some puzzle, like if you... Uh, the one I'm thinking of is a spoiler, but uh, sometimes you'll interact with something in a specific way and it'll jostle an enemy out of the environment. And that is always, yeah, just nice. It makes it feel like the environment's really alive and like the game flows together really well. Yeah. And I agree. I like that aspect of having the enemies mixed with the level design and you especially feel it like sometimes even the size of the room impacts the fight. Uh, in Scarescraper, we would always get this particular room that has a springboard that launches you up to an upper level of the floor. And what would what happen is it would actually interrupt your interrupt the vacuum and sort of pop you away from the ghosts you were trying to catch. So just because just the simple fact that ghosts drag you around the room as you're trying to pull them. Um, that by itself makes other elements in the level, including other furniture, tables, or crap on the floor that moves you around uh, more dynamic. I think another behavior of the hiders is that as you're going for other ghosts, uh, any hiders that are hiding will tend to pop out and start throwing these uh, magic balls at you. I don't know what, what exactly they're throwing. Ecto-donuts. <laughs> all right with that i think i've talked all your ears off about the ghost fishing so i think this is a good time to wrap things up all right that wasn't too intense it was intense <laughs> um, i mean so isn't it good to have a nice podcast that's just a just an hour yeah yeah all right so yeah What's wrong with that uh, are we doing another think- one Yes, right now. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, when I get through the game a little more, so it's not too much spoilers. Um, well, then again, you've all beaten the game for me, so that itself is a problem. Nah, but... I didn't beat it, but I did lose interest. Ah. <laughs> the game beat him. <laughs> the game beat him. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to keep going, maybe I will chip away at it slowly, but I... Uh... I would still be open to participating in a further discussion. I've yeah. been hankering for for a topic, I guess, but uh, I don't know. What what did you have in mind? I had what I had in mind in mind was getting more towards the the adventure and puzzly elements of Luigi Mansion, and maybe even covering the differences between uh, the first and the second game. Oh yeah, that Based- was exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Well, mostly so. the last part, just like talking about, you know, stuff that makes the two Luigi's Mansion games different. And yeah. then um, we'd all go out to the nearest Dave and Buster's and play Luigi's Mansion Arcade. Oh, damn. What the hell does that mean? There's a Luigi's Mansion Arcade game, is what it means. Who's Dave and Buster's? What? Who's Dave and Buster? Oh man, is that not a thing over there? 
What is that, an arcade? Dave? No, uh, Dave and Buster's is like a... Dave. Yeah, it's kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese, but different. Oh. All right. Um, uh, well, I haven't played Luigi's Mansion 1, so I'll be out of that conversation. Oh, no, it's, well, it's actually based on Luigi's Mansion 2 anyway, so... No, I know, but the if you oh, 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 right differences between the first two games. Gotcha. I kind of want to play it at some point, but it's not high on my priorities and definitely even lower after playing the second one. <laughs> Who knows? You might like it more. No, it's not like uh, I hate it. It's more that, like, yeah, now I've gotten a taste and I, I can pretty much guess what I'm going to be getting. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the last questions I had was actually um, how we find the ghost fishing fits into the rest of the game. Uh, but we did sort of cover that by bringing up, you know, the dark light, interacting with furniture, and the polter pub. So I think we've got that covered. So with that said... Thank you all for joining me for this podcast on Ghost Fishing for Luigi's Mansion 2. See you next time. See you next time. Later. All music in this podcast was from Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com.